It's time for the Mr. Wonderful Show. Here's your host, Mr. Wonderful. Hey, everybody. Welcome in to another episode of the Mr. Wonderful Show. Thank you for listening on whatever platform it is you are listening on. Don't forget, rate and review this show. Subscribe as well, and you will be updated on all new episodes that drop. In fact, two episodes dropped last week. We had uh, the episode in which I said I would talk about the Oscars and then talked about everything else but that, and then a quick about 30-minute Oscar conversation as well, so you can go check those shows out uh, and all the other shows as well, again, on whatever platform you're on. Welcome in. This is going to be a really fun show. Uh, Lots to get into. Actually saw... Marry Me, I teased that last week. The Marry Me review is on the way. I have thoughts about this film uh, that I cannot wait to share. Also got to check out two films on HBO Max, uh, Antlers and Malignant, uh, because in my house, things have been very crazy. I've actually been isolating from my girlfriend. She was uh, she, she tested COVID positive over the weekend. Doing all right, thankfully. Uh, with all things said, she is vaccinated, boosted, uh, been taking it easy, but we've had to separate. So that did give me the chance to live like this weird bachelor life again uh, once once we got that test result because we were sitting there on Saturday, fingers crossed that it was just a cold so that we could go to the theaters to see Mary May. Uh, but thankfully, uh, somebody pays for Peacock streaming. So we'll talk about that when we get into the Mary Me review. Uh, with it being day and date release, but we were fingers crossed, got the test results, and that's thrown whack into everything. So yeah, the minute she went into the bedroom to separate, it was this weird, like, I didn't know what to do, because, you know, every plan I usually make is based around the both of us making decisions, so I'm now in a position of, well, she can't go anywhere, and I I can't go anywhere now, because I got to go get one of these tests, because now I'm I'm potentially exposed, and I actually got two tests done. I'm negative, thankfully, which is a whole other, like, I feel like I've got superpowers or something like that, that I was slept in the same bed with somebody that was COVID positive, gave them a kiss goodbye in the morning, was sitting there holding their hand at the time that they checked the phone, and I'm like, I'm negative after two tests, baby. Uh, I am, I am Batman, although, you know, maybe not. Batman, but I am like, what is up with me? I've got some mutant powers, baby. I'm I'm Wolverine. That's a better one. Should have gone with a mutant first. Uh, but it got weird, so I didn't know what to do. So poured myself a vodka soda and turned on Malignant, which is on HBO Max. And before I turned that on, I also saw that the movie Antlers was streaming. Uh, so yeah, Malignant I turned on and what a movie just like uh, this is where we're starting we're starting with malignant because if you have not seen this movie i'm not going to spoil anything but what i am going to say is holy cow you are in for quite a ride i expected it to be one thing and then this film takes is very you know it 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 feels by the numbers to start but man when it gets to that twist that this film has, it takes a whole new direction. And if you don't go with it, I'm sorry, but just lean into it. You got to lean into it. And holy crap, was that a, a gooey, oozy, like gory over? Oh my goodness. I absolutely enjoyed this film. Uh, yeah, you know. At times, again, like I said, I felt like a, a lot of the beginning of it just felt like a, a the same kind of James Wan. Uh, you know, I saw this with The Conjuring. I saw things like this. You know, I've already seen a lot of this. Uh, and that's not a bad thing because, you know, it brings a there's a James Wan-ness to it. But story-wise, I was just like, okay, when's this going to, you know, kind of take a turn? Because it's a little bit of a slow burn to get to that big moment to where things start really picking up. So I was a little weary early on, uh, but yeah, no, this film starts to gain more and more momentum, which builds us up to that 
unbelievable twist that takes us into a third act of just, uh, you know, visual effects, acting-wise, storytelling-wise, just is out there, and, and practical effects as well. That is just so much fun. That just, it is a memorable plot twist for sure that you will be talking about forever. And I understand why, but again, I understand why this film can be divisive. I mean, critic-wise, it sits at a 76% on Rotten Tomatoes, but the audience score is at 52%. And I get it. It's not as scary as it comes off, but it once again shows what James Wan is really good at when it comes to the horror genre is he always finds a way to change things up. So like when I started it, like I said, when I started the movie, I was a little like, I've seen a lot of this already and it's not, it's not better than what we've seen, but then it builds into something else that just becomes a total James Wan. I'm not going to call it a masterpiece, but one of his well done horror movies and yeah, I, I cannot recommend Malignant enough. If you haven't seen it, uh, if you have seen it, I'd love to know what your thoughts are. Tweet me, wonderful underscore radio, or hit me up on Instagram, Nick Wonderful. You know, there, there are many ways to contact me, but definitely if you've seen it, I want to know what you think of it. Now, the other movie I watched after that, uh, which was, th- this was day and night, my Saturday. I watched Antlers which is currently sitting at a 59% critic score, 68% audience score. And I bring those numbers to you first because Antlers is a weird Guillermo del Toro story that comes from director Scott Cooper. Uh, he, he directed it, del Toro, uh, what, what was it? It's, it's his, he produced it as well as provided, I think, a little bit of the story for it, but definitely was a producer on it. Uh, takes us to an isolated Oregon town. Middle school teacher played by Carrie Russell. Yeah, what's up, Carrie Russell? Felicity. Just don't get a haircut. Uh, and her sheriff brother, Jesse Plemons. Pretty good cast right there. They become embroiled with her enigma student played by Jeremy T. Thomas. Want to talk about him in a second. Uh, whose dark secrets lead to terrifying encounters with legendary uh, ancestral creature who came before them. It's based on a short story called The Quiet Boy. So there's a source material to this, and they stretch it out to an hour and 39-minute movie. That's pretty good time, pretty good length, especially for a horror film and a thriller and mystery. Uh, But I mentioned those scores because I'm interested by it because this is kind of the film that I feel like critics should have loved. It's... Got a poignant message to it. It's very artsy at times. It is extremely dark. I mean, the content of this film, this is like, you want to talk about a film that is pretty depressing. This is a depressing film. So that's what I mean by day and night. Like, Malignant is just a fun, bonkers horror movie, and Antlers gets much deeper and has you feel in certain kinds of emotions. So... I honestly thought that this was a film that critics would have liked, so I was shocked when I saw that the audience enjoyed this film more than the critics did. I mean, sure, maybe at times it could be a little heavy-handed and isn't scary, but like I said, Malignant isn't really a scary movie. It's a fun movie. And and usually fun movies, critics hate. I mean, right? Isn't that why everybody's mad at Kevin Smith? Because he said, hey, how about you nominate a fun movie for the Academy Awards so people would watch, even if we know it's not going to win, instead of 10 depressing films, which is kind of what Antlers is, a little more of a depressing film at the end of the day. Uh, but yeah, I, I I enjoyed Antlers. I had a good time with it. But again, it is a very atmospheric film that is very dark on its story. But I enjoyed the acting. I, I you know, again... You have a strong cast. Carrie Russell and Jesse Plemons are great. But Jeremy T. Thomas, who plays the lead kid in this film, is absolutely fabulous. Like, that performance is worth the watch because you will be mesmerized. It is one of those performances where I'm like, okay, that's a kid that's going that we should keep an eye on. That's a kid that 
comes out in his first movie and lands it in such a way that I'm like, oh man, the emotional journey you took me on and the way that you had me feeling through your acting in this film is was just so unbelievable. Again, first film for this kid. So yeah, I enjoyed this. It's, I think it's an effective fairy tale, you know, mystery horror film that definitely is worth a, a viewing, but just be ready. It's, it's going to be a little bit of a downer, you know, like not saying it has a downer ending, but it is just a, a downer story. So be prepared for the fact that it's, you know, it's one of those types of films. You're going to have a little bit of a, of a not, not quite the malignant experience with this one. But yeah, I got to watch those two horror movies. Uh, and then finally, uh, the girlfriend is allowed out of the bedroom right now, so we can actually kind of be in the same room. Uh, and that's how we were able to watch Mary May as a late little Valentine's Day get-together. So... Marry Me is streaming on Peacock as well right now. Uh, wait, I didn't do that good enough. Uh, Marry Me is streaming on Peacock? Yeah, don't ever run a commercial like that and expect us not to do it ever again, NBC. Uh, but yeah, you can watch this at home. Uh, this movie stars Owen Wilson and Jennifer Lopez. And <laughs> oh my God, man. Uh, I'm laughing, but I'm laughing because I had an absolute ball with this film. I'm going to come right out and say it. I really enjoy rom-coms, and I think Mary May is a really fun 2022 rom-com. Jennifer Lopez, Owen Wilson, what can you say? They're loved by everybody. You, you know, no matter who you are, you love these two and you'll love their chemistry together. It's very fun. It, it's very entertaining. Sarah Silverman is in this as, as a supporting role, as, as Owen Wilson's best friend at the school he teaches at. And she is, as usual, Sarah Silverman in any comedy. She is a scene stealer when she is involved and is just wonderful. It is a really fun movie. Sure, this is a movie that is extremely predictable. Extremely predictable. But that does not take away the joy that comes from this film. Uh, if you have no idea what Marry Me is and you're like, Nick, why are you ranting on about this? Uh, Marry Me sees Kat Valdez, played by Jennifer Lopez, uh, is half of the sexiest celebrity power couple on earth with hot new music, Supernova, Bastion, uh, and, and this is, uh, Mal, Malama, I believe is how you say his name, uh, his film debut as well, uh, as Cat and Bastion's inescapable hit single, Marry Me, climbs the charts. They're about to be wed before an audience of their fans in a ceremony that will be streamed across multiple platforms. Divorced high school math teacher, Charlie Gilbert, Owen Wilson, has been dragged to the concert by his daughter, Lou, played by Chloe Coleman, who... You will remember from the Dave Batista movie uh, that is on Amazon Prime, uh, My Spy. Uh, I got to double check that. I believe that's the name of the. I should have had that already to begin with as I try to pull up uh, her IMDb page. So we'll do that in a second. But yeah, she's in this. Uh, she's also on HBO's Big Little Lies. Uh, but either way, his best friend, as I mentioned, Sarah Silverman as well, uh, dragged him to that show when Cat learns. Seconds before the ceremony that Bastion has cheated on her with her assistant, her life turns left as she has a meltdown on stage questioning love, truth, and loyalty. As her whole world starts to fall apart, she locks eyes with a stranger, a face in the crowd. If what you know lets you down, then perhaps what you don't know is the answer. And so in a moment of inspired insanity, she chooses to marry Charlie uh, what begins as an impulsive reaction evolves into an unexpected romance, but as forces conspire to separate them, the universal question arises, can two people from such different worlds bridge the gulf between them and build a place where they both belong? Yeah, that is a long explanation of what this film is, and it is very much what this movie is. That's what the movie is. That's why I say it's extremely predictable. It is a rom-com. We know what these films are. They, it, but the thing that makes rom-coms good 
is not so much the basic story we're being told. We know the setup. It's been the classic storytelling for years. It's the actors that are involved, and it's the way that we get to all of these scenarios. And from that whole chance encounter, you know, funny situations, eventually we get the montage of them falling in love through things. Eventually something comes along late in that second act that's starting to kind of cause the tension and eventually they have the pull away and we go into the third act. Will they or won't they? Yeah, they're gonna. This isn't Casablanca, okay? We're not getting a a, a deep ending here where, you know, somebody realizes that they gotta let go of love and it's not gonna be the happy ever after. But it is a happy ever after. Spoilers for Casablanca. It's a happy ever after because, eh, you know, it's the beginning of a beautiful friendship between two people that are mutually going to benefit really well. But it's also not a happy ending because Rick does not get the girl in the end the way rom-coms, again, spoiler, usually go about. So it's it's a fun movie, though. Uh, You know, and again, it circles back to this cast. Jennifer Lopez, Owen Wilson, uh, Sarah Silverman. John Bradley's in it as well. Game of Thrones, uh, Jimmy Fallon plays himself in this movie, which led to a whole other conversation with the girlfriend about how it's always blows my mind that Jurassic World, a universal property, pretty much told us Jimmy Fallon was going to have a universal ride in that movie. So, you know, marry me. If you're into rom-coms, you will absolutely enjoy this one. If you're not traditionally into rom-coms, I still think you might like this one. Because the leads are the key to this movie. Jennifer Lopez, Owen Wilson, their chemistry really does help drive this movie. And it is uh, uh, close to two hours. They could be shaved down a little bit, but you do like the chemistry between the two leads. And that's what makes Marry Me, in my opinion, a film worth checking out, either in theaters or on your Peacock. Uh, With that being said, I did want to bring this up as well because I tweeted it out and I got some questions about how this even came about. Uh, But when me and the girlfriend, before we watched Marry Me, uh, we were just sitting in in the living room, you know, separated, all that good stuff. And I was on TikTok and she was on TikTok. We were having our TikTok moments. And what ended up happening was I came across an earnest... TikTok page. And I'm talking like Ernest Goes to Camp, Ernest Scared Stupid, Ernest P. Warhol. Like I came across an Ernest page and was so, so excited and couldn't believe like, and it was the old ads. It was the commercials that Ernest the Pest, uh, you know, was a part of nationwide, well, not even nationwide, but like Virginia, Alabama, Oklahoma, I think parts of Texas, like a very Southern based character because he was a more Southern based uh, character, but he was, he was from a Nashville advertising agency. So it stayed here in, in Southern areas and it was all a bunch of different things. He did like ice cream and dairy. And uh, I know the cars was the one, one, one of the car companies was what played in the state of Virginia, uh, you know, outside of the Washington DC area in Tyson's corner. So I was so stoked about coming across this that she's doing her thing and I just start, I'm like, oh my gosh, it's an Ernest page. There's so much Ernest. Ernest is like the best ever. Oh my gosh. I bet you never watched Ernest growing up. And she's just listening to me ramble and starts looking at me and I'm just going on and on. And she's like, who's this Ernest? I've never heard you talk about Ernest. And I was like, like, Ernest goes to camp. Ernest scared stupid. Like, you've never, like, again, you've you've never heard of Ernest? You've never seen Ernest? Who's Ernest? And I'm trying to explain who Ernest is to her. And she's just looking at me like I am the craziest person ever, which got me thinking, if she don't know who Ernest is, is she too young for you, brah? But no, she, we're only like, four years apart, age difference-wise. So, no, she's not. But it does make sense. She would have no idea who Ernest is because that was a very specific... Like, I feel like that was such a specific thing. But it also blows my mind that she doesn't because I feel... Like, I can't tell. Like, 
I was so young with Ernest and I loved it so much, but I remember being like the only person that was ever excited about the movies and, and anything that involved Jim Barney as that character. Like I love a guilty pleasure of mine is the Beverly Hillbillies movie. It's terrible. Oh, it is bad. It's got Rob Schneider in it, by the way, but I love it because it's Jim Barney. And as a kid, like Jim Barney was, he, he was earnest, man. Like he was an actor that I absolutely adored. So I, I would watch Ernest Goes to Camp every summer. I would watch Ernest Scared Stupid every Halloween. I have vivid memories that my mom cannot believe I have, where anytime I bring it up, she goes, how do you even remember that? Why, how, why is that an early childhood memory you remember going to see Ernest Goes to Jail with my mom at the movies, United Artists Theaters, thank you, and it was an afternoon showing. So, like, it's those weird things like that that she's like, how do you remember that? And I'm like, because Ernest. Like, <laughs> hello? The, the, the man with the, the, the faces, the funny guy. Like, I love this stuff, but it also kind of makes sense because, again, I feel like I was the only person where I grew up that knew of that and loved that. So, yeah, it makes sense that, you know, by the time the Ernest films were were no longer really making money in theaters and starting to go to home video, that she would have no idea who that is. And again, it feels very like it, it, I always figured it was an, a niche thing until I got on social media. And but that's the thing about social media, right? It connects us with the entire world. So I realized there was a bigger market of wow, a lot of people know know this know who Ernest is and. Very like, like, you know, I I see people like Nick Push uh, talking about like Ernest uh, Saves Christmas and stuff like that. So it's one of those like chat out there talking about how Ernest was doing marketing in his area growing up. Like, again, I've, I've, I've found a bigger Ernest market, but definitely where I lived, I might have been like the only, only Ernest fan. I definitely know I annoyed my neighbor once on a sleepover because... I rented Ernest, <laughs> Ernest, uh, oh God, which was the one? It wasn't Ernest Goes to Africa. Now I'm trying to remember the Ernest films. Uh, Ernest Goes to School. There we go. Uh, and yeah, he absolutely did not, did not like me for that one. Uh, but hey, whatever. He, my house, sleepover, my movie. Suck on that one, right? So yeah, that's how the Ernest thing happened. It was really just a big ADD thing where I just kind of was so excited by it. I wouldn't stop talking about it. But yeah, it it was a good moment of trying to explain this TV commercial character that ended up having a child show and ended up becoming a movie star. Just, it made no sense. It was It really was an ADD topic of just minding our own business and me just blurting out and talking about Ernest P. Worrell so much. Just being like, I love Ernest. I love him. He's the best. Uh, but I will say now that I am thinking about doing some form of a special in which I have her watch Ernest movies with me and get her reaction. And because I have him <laughs> fun fact, especially if I ever do the, well, we're going to do it again, but uh, at some point during the A to Z wonderful movie reviews, we will do a few Ernest films because I have Ernest Goes to Camp, I have Ernest Scared Stupid, and I have Ernest Goes to Jail on DVD. So at some point, that will happen. So I've been thinking about doing something while making her at least watch those three because I guarantee she will like Ernest Go, uh, Ernest scared stupid, and I guarantee she, she will like Ernest goes to camp. I think Ernest goes to prison. She might be a little more like, huh? But at that point, she'll be in on the character, and that's all that matters. And that style of humor, that uh, looking us directly, looking directly, breaking that fourth wall without really breaking the fourth wall. Love that about Ernest, looking into the camera. You know what I mean, Vern? Uh, yeah, so that's how the Ernest story happened for all of you that were asking on uh, social media about what the hell was that about. Uh, that's exactly what that was. It's just a long Ernest conversation. 
Uh, we were being earnest about earnest. Uh, so lots of news to get into. Let's hit some of those headlines right now for you. Uh, actually, uh, just a couple things to get into. Um, Going to talk about Ivan Reitman uh, towards the end, the Chippendale trailer. I have a reaction to that. Uh, but I do want to start with some, uh, oh, plus Paramount is planning a whole slew of things. So we'll get into that. But I want to start really quickly. The Spider-Man No Way Home news. Uh, the film has now surpassed Avatar in the domestic box office. Now the third highest grossing film. That's not adjusted for inflation. Uh, but with that being said, uh, the film now sits um, $761 million in earnings so far. Uh, globally, it sits at number six with $1.8 billion. Uh, the Force Awakens is the number one movie domestically, nine hundred and thirty-six point seven million, and Avengers Endgame is number two with eight hundred and fifty-eight point four million. Uh, now, I do not think Spider-Man: No Way Home has a chance at surpassing Avengers domestically, but I do expect its global numbers to push it up from that number six spot because it has yet to even release in China. And if you don't know, and but I'm going to assume you know. Uh, the Chinese box office is huge for Hollywood. They depend on the Chinese box office. There's been a lot of issues with this, uh, you know, depending on where you look on social media as well. Uh, you're probably aware of this with things like the NBA, LeBron James. People like to point out that as hypocrisy to other things. Uh, so, you know, it's well documented as well with films like Transformers. You know, Michael Bay did the whole uprooting of the film to put it into China to make sure the Chinese audience is happy and, and they feel inclusion as well. So uh, and constantly things like how Friends is being edited for China. So this happens a lot. It's the way it is. It's the way of the world. It's it's you know, it's a capitalistic business. So, of course, they're going to, you know, bank on what has become. And I hate to say it, it has become it one of the leaders in money-making box office, the Chinese box office. So the film hasn't released in in what is sure to shoot that film up uh, well to some new records. So we'll keep an eye on that for you. Uh, but for now, it is sitting as the third highest grossing film domestically, not adjusted for inflation, which is just absolutely impressive. Uh, $761 million during a Still in, it's still in a pandemic during COVID, all that stuff. You know, that film came out right as Omicron variant started shooting around. So, uh, incredible that that film has pulled off the feat it has, and it and really makes you wonder if it had a traditional release, uh, would it would it have made more money? Would it have even made that much? Is 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 the COVID thing and our lack of having these event type of films prevented? You know, did that first open the door for a big gross for that film you know would it have been hindered in a traditional release going up against uh, stiffer competition in the summertime as opposed to uh, you know no offense to west side story but it came out in a time where a lot of the the oscar nominated films are out and you know omicron surge people aren't going to be rushing to see west side story but they are going to rush to see spider-man and know what happens after that last film so a lot of questions can be asked on that uh i don't have the answers right now but i'm sure if we sit in the question long enough we will eventually get the answers uh <laughs> that is a reference to a movie that i reviewed so have fun finding that one uh now moving on to the other bit of news i got uh yesterday and if you're listening to this so yesterday meaning uh, february 15th paramount did a whole investor day presentation uh they i guess wanted to be like Disney, Universal, and Warner Brothers, and felt like the little redheaded stepchild of the Hollywood studios and decided, we're going to do a presser and announce all the things we have coming up, uh, TV shows, movies, spinoffs, all that stuff, and their slate, not going to lie, kind of impressive. Uh, Paramount has definitely been struggling with Paramount Plus as far as subscribers go, uh, they made an announcement that uh, all their movies that get released in theaters will be exclusively streaming on Paramount Plus uh, beginning in 2024. So one could assume that that is other deals that they have in place with like Netflix and Hulu and all the other ones that will prevent them from getting all of their films back. So by 2024, they say that Paramount films made by us 
only going to be on Paramount+. Plus. Uh, their goal is to get to uh, 100 million su- subscribers by that time. They're only, they're a little over halfway there. I think they're sitting at like 54.4 million was the last number. It might have been 52.4, somewhere around there. Uh, so that is a big move for Paramount uh, as they try to start directing people to their uh, streaming service in, in a time where a lot of us might be hesitant to get uh, the uh, a new streaming service if we don't already pay for it. I pay for Paramount Plus. I thoroughly enjoy it. I find its interface to be one of the more annoying ones. Uh, them and Amazon Prime. I really do not like their layouts at all. Um, but Paramount Plus is the one that I I find the most kind of not as user friendly as some of the others. Uh, now again, not that it's bad, just. You know, some improvements could be made there, especially if they want to uh, really become a big streamer in the near future. But I do like their live TV aspect. I've been watching so much of the uh, old MTV shows, uh, Daria, uh, Beavis and Butthead. I've done some deep dives into the Are You Afraid of the Darks that are on there. So I found myself kind of in that my youthful MTV when I shouldn't have been watching Beavis and Butthead days. Uh, and celebrity deathmatch, you know, things like that. That that weird attitude error for some of you out there that remember that. So I I don't hate Paramount Plus, but it, it was for a while the weird redheaded stepchild of my streaming services. Like hell, I used Shutter for a long time more than I was using Paramount Plus. But yeah, they've when they added the live TV aspect of the select channels, I kind of got a little more into. Uh, using them. Uh, but some of the things that they did announce yesterday uh, during their investor day presentation, uh, they're planning a quiet place three noted that I don't think that's much of a surprise. The first two have made the money. The second one seemed like a little more of a world building film. So not really a surprise there. I was a little more surprised though, to see that they've already are pushing forward a Sonic the Hedgehog three. Uh, I'm sure the sequel is going to be a huge success. I remember when we went to go see Spider-Man No Way Home on opening night when that trailer began and and I live in a college town. So opening night for a Marvel film, it was like 95% college kids and the other 5% were like people in their late 20s, early 30s and like the mom or dad that got dragged by their kid that was like, we're going like the the kid that I would have been at like 10 that was like, no, dad, I want to go tonight. It's a six o'clock movie. Take me. I will be home in time. I can go to bed. I can make it to school tomorrow. I swear I won't fight you in the morning to wake up. Come on, just take me, please. So I remember, though, when that trailer began, the crowd erupted. The crowd lost their mind, which made me just absolutely shocked me because I was like, you all are too young to know Sonic. Sonic was my, I watched Sonic before I went to school. The Adventures of Sonic with his friends, the cartoon. So I, you know, the sequel is probably going to be a big success. And listen, I reviewed the the first film. Uh, it was actually just a year and uh, I believe three days ago now that I saw that first film. Uh, and I f- really recommended it and, and fully enjoyed that first movie and am excited for the sequel. Uh, but yeah, they're moving ahead with a third one. They also are moving off or I should say moving ahead for Paramount uh, Plus with the Sonic spinoff series about Knuckles that will star Idris Elba, who is going to be voicing Knuckles in the upcoming film. So I like that as well, that Paramount is now realizing what Disney has been doing with Marvel this whole past year plus now. by Because I'm excited that you know, I know the Sonic lore. I played the video games. That's why I was really shocked that a bunch of college kids that are like 20 and 21 know Sonic because I'm like, you you didn't have a Sega Genesis, dude. You all grew up in at least the PlayStation 2 era, like the, like the end of that to the beginning of PS3. You all had, you were able to watch DVDs and Blu-rays from, from your room on your PlayStation. I didn't have that. I had 16-bit, baby. So... I, you know, I know where eventually Knuckles is going to go. So I kind of like that idea that it seems like they're going to be building this. Hey, here's the movie. 
now we're probably going to have this nice little bridge series between that with Knuckles, which then takes us into the third Sonic film. So I, I like I like that. It's, you know, cool, man. Do it. And listen, again, I've been highlighting it here. I am a Sonic fan. So more Sonic stuff makes me happy. Um, one of the other big things I, I jotted down, uh, actually, I want to get to that. I'm going to save that big thing. Uh, for the end of this. So let me adjust my little notes here for a second. Uh, moving on again, let's stick with the streaming service then. Uh, Paramount Plus is going to plan a lot of Nickelodeon content. SpongeBob fans, you got three new movies, some spinoff films on the way. There's going to be a live action Dora the Explorer series. Ooh, baby. Uh, yeah, I'm ready for that one. Uh, also a new Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles adventure. So you know, facetious aside, if I could say the word, uh, I am stoked on that. Uh, they're also going to be betting big, big on some hit TV series, uh, Yellowstone getting another spinoff. Uh, and you know, they're just throwing darts at a board for whatever year they can land on. Uh, the new spinoff series is going to be 1932. So let's be real. Yellowstone has been such a huge success. 1883 has been a huge success. You got to imagine it. This is becoming, I think this is becoming like the new walking dead thing where all of those people like that, that type of crowd all found Yellowstone. And then they were like, here's a spinoff. Here's our fear of the walking dead. Watch this. Okay. Here's our other spinoff. That's probably just going to be like a little, like two or three seasons special, but here's 1932. Oh, cool. That's that. That's another walking dead show, right? Like kind of in that vein of, we have our main show. It's a hit. Let's try something over here at a different, you know, different place in time. But people are familiar with. All right, now let's do something over here in different place in time people are familiar with. So, yeah, it's, you know, do your thing. That's their moneymaker right now on the streaming. Go for it. Uh, so that big piece of news that I said I was going to wait for. This one I'm very excited for. J.J. Abrams Star Trek reboot cast, meaning Chris Pine, Zoe Zaldana, Zachary Quinto, and so many more are going to be coming back for a new movie to start shooting this year. Yes, you heard me correctly. Uh, they have, I guess, financially put aside differences or just investing in it, maybe going in a different direction from what originally was being planned with the issues that we heard the last time about a Star Trek 4 with trying to get Chris Hemsworth back and pay Chris Pine and pay everybody else. So uh, we're getting a new Star Trek film though. So they are now saying this, this is happening. This is moving forward. And, and you know, yeah, it's Hollywood. You know, we heard Star Trek four was coming and we heard it was coming from a female director. And now that, you know, that one isn't happening anymore. And the director's off this project. Uh, so I'll believe it, I guess when I see it, but I do have faith in it because it does have the feeling. Listen, especially if they're if they were presenting this to investors, they have a good idea that they're moving forward with the story and they will invest in a Star Trek movie. And I think they should. I I think the Star Trek reboot films have been really good. I really enjoy the last one they did Star Trek Beyond. Uh, I really really liked the first film. Uh, just the Star Trek film that they did because, uh, you know, yeah, sure. It was J.J. Abrams' audition for Star Wars and he did more of a Star Wars film than a Star Trek film. But he still stayed to the roots of a Star Trek film. He still stayed to that kind of way it was. He just shook things up a little bit, provided us a way to introduce it to a new chapter of people, a new generation. And I enjoyed that. You know, the second Star Trek film was there. I've, I've, I've. It's good. I have my issues as a Star Trek fan in the in the sense of you shouldn't have lied to me. We all knew who Benedict Cumberbatch was. That was kind of, you know, don't stop trying to pull the wool over our eyes. We know. And then, you know, it took it made the reveal less interesting to me. And kind of doing the beat for beat, you know, we already saw this. We just flipped two characters. Mm, all right, you know kind of irked me a little bit uh but otherwise that is a very enjoyable film 
But yeah, uh, you know, oh man, I'm going to get so much heat for what I just said about <laughs> Into Darkness. Oh man, I'm going to get so much heat and I try to stay so positive. Uh, I'm sorry to the to, to the Star Trek 2 fans. I am so sorry. Uh, listen, I'm a fan of Star Trek 2 as well. The one that starred William Shatner and Leonard Nimoy. Just saying. Um, so yeah, uh, lots of things happening with Paramount+. Plus. Uh, now I'm going to get a little more heat, I'm sure, because I already teased this to the person that I'm sure is texting me right now furiously as he listens. Uh, the Chippendales trailer dropped. Now, Chippendales is another one of those moments that I'm going to sit here and say about my life growing up. When Disney Plus first dropped and they said, everything is coming, all of our old shows, I went, does that mean Chippendale, Rescue Rangers? Uh, and he said... Yes, that's what Disney Plus said, because they responded directly to me that Chippendale Rescue Rangers was coming. I bought Disney Plus, and the first thing I watched was I started binge-watching the old Chippendale Rescue Rangers cartoons. Because there are photos of me from when I was a young child going to Disney World at the young age of 12, super shy to go up and meet Chippendale. Yeah. That's right. I was 12 and I was still freaked out to go meet Chippendale at Disney because they were my favorite. I, again, when it goes to the, this is turning into the fond memories with Wonderful's mom growing up episode. Because when I was a kid, I watched so much Chippendale with my mom on, I, I don't even, I, here's the thing. I don't remember the station, but I remember Chippendale uh, and I remember just, I, I absolutely loved them, man. Like, they were the coolest. Uh, I love Chippendale. So I was stoked when I heard that John Mulaney and Andy Samberg were going to be voicing Chip and Dale in a reboot, remake, reimagination, requel, whatever the hell we were going to call it, whatever it was going to be. But I was excited to see that Chip and Dale Rescue Rangers was making a comeback. And then I saw the trailer. And I got very, very scared. Now, it's going to be coming to Disney Plus May 20th. And here's why I got a little nervous. It looks cute. It looks funny. But it also... I'm just not sure what I think of it. Like, there is things in the trailer that I absolutely went, oh, that's really cool. They got like Roger Rabbit and they're dancing with Roger Rabbit and oh look at Paula Abdul in the background like wow what a weird you know late 80s early 90s references going on in this this is totally who framed Roger Rabbit like oh, okay cool and then it just kept going in a direction that I was like oh all right so one's still classic one got the upgrade all right that's kind of cute oh their voices are really noticeably different from Chip and Dale. Okay. All right. The Indiana Jones joke, that's pretty funny to just come right out and, you know, knock what the inspiration is. But yeah, I got, I got, and, and the Seth Rogen part at the end actually is one of the things that made me a little more like, oh no. Oh no, 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 no. And, and I love Seth Rogen. I really do. But yeah, there, there was just something about the trailer that to me, and and I did. I feel I felt like I was the Ghostbusters 2016 crowd there for a second. That was like, whoa, what did you do to my childhood? Like, what the hell is this? And I took a step back from that because that should never be the reaction to anything. And yeah, from what I texted to my buddy Zach last night after I watched the trailer, to how I feel today is a little more on the, I am willing to give this film a shot. It is Lonely Island. I like their stuff. But at the same time, like, I'm I'm nervous that this is going to be so far removed from Chip and Dale that it's just, it, it's going to miss for me. And that could be only me. Like, but... I, again, I'm going to give it a shot, but yeah, I'm very, something about all the references, something about it, you know, it, it had that Wreck-It Ralph 2 kind of feel, 
So that always gets makes me nervous where it's like, oh, you're starting to lay in some heavy handed, you know, mm, man. All right. You're, you're really laying into this. You're really laying into that. You're really uh, nostalgia this nostalgia that. Oh, boy. You know, Record Ralph 2 did a good job with that. Some films can do a good job with that. But the way the trailer was sold to me, I I just I paused. I paused. And I'm happy I paused from the initial way I was thinking and took a moment and kind of started thinking about it because, yeah, I'll give this a, I'll give this a chance. But I also, again, need to remember, like a lot of times with a lot of these things. This is a way to bring people into something that I loved growing up, that they are now kids. And they might love and then that will lead to more of Chippendale. And at the end of the day, shouldn't I just want Chippendale to succeed because if I loved it as a kid, shouldn't I want the next generation of kids out there right now to love these characters as well? Sure. It wasn't what I remember, but guess what? What I remember was from the late 80s, early 90s, right? That's totally different time, different place. It's going to always be my childhood. They can't actually ruin my childhood. So go ahead, you know, do your thing, Chippendale Rescue Rangers. I'll watch it May 20th on Disney Plus, but yeah, that first trailer, man, really has me a little, um, a little nervous. Uh, to say the least. Uh, All right, with that being said, let's move into the last bit of news that I have today. Uh, And it's actually more of a a sad news. If you did not hear, on Saturday night, uh, influential filmmaker and producer Ivan Reitman, he passed away at 75. He died peacefully in his sleep in his Montecito, California home. His family uh, made the announcement his children, uh, Jason Reitman, Catherine Reitman, and Carolyn Reitman, uh, all put out a joint statement about it. But shocking news uh, to hear that this this icon, this legend, uh, had passed away uh, just so unexpectedly. You know, not knowing any underlying conditions or anything like that. Just you know, not too long ago, what the five months ago, four months ago out there doing the circuit with, with, with his son, Jason for Ghostbusters afterlife. And, uh, yeah, you know, losing the director of Ghostbusters really hit and might hit me right now because a lot of who I am comes from his films, comes from the films he produced, the films he directed, the film, you know, all of that stuff that he was involved with. From Meatballs to Stripes, Ghostbusters, Ghostbusters 2, uh, producing Animal House, Old School. How many, you know, how many of you love Old School? It's a film he helped produce. He he got Todd, you know, <laughs> Todd Phillips was one of the people that talked about Ivan Reitman after he passed away. And pretty much in a way, this, like the story he told, he didn't know anybody in Hollywood, but Jason was out at a film festival and Ivan was there to promote Jason and support him for a short film. And Jason then introduced Todd Phillips to Ivan. And that's what led to the, I'm going to produce old school. I'll give you money for old school. You know, go make, go, go ahead, man. Let's, let's make a comedy movie that ended up, that ended up launching the career of Will Ferrell. Because I love pointing that out to people. Everybody's like, oh man, when Elf came out, Will Ferrell was such a start. Mm. Will Ferrell was not really a star. Uh, Will Ferrell was a star because of old school. And there's a great, like, the films that made us, they did the holiday edition on Netflix. If you want to watch the one on Elf, it is amazing because they talk about how at one point, New Line Cinema, who, you know, House That Freddy Built, produced Elf, but they talk about how after old school came out and Will Ferrell became such a huge success, they were like, how do we make old school elf? They wanted to make that film an R rated movie because of the success of old school to also show you the way that Hollywood thinks at times, which, you know, explains a lot. Uh, but yeah, you know, so in a way, Ivan Reitman is the reason Todd Phillips, the guy who goes on to make the Joker with Joaquin Phoenix, you know, the Dan brand, the Dan band, you know, the reason we all hear Total Eclipse of the Heart the uh, different way, like, 
helped launch that career. But and, and you know, directing Bill Murray in his early days, you know, in a way we can say that being able to hone in that manic comedy that Bill Murray brings in Meatballs and, and in Stripes and in Ghostbusters 1 and 2 is what helped make Bill Murray such a star. Like, you look at Arnold Schwarzenegger as as a comedic actor. It's Ivan Reitman that, that pulled that out. So, and with Twins, Twins is one of my favorite movies, by the way. I really do love Twins uh, and want to do a revisit on that. Plus Kindergarten Cop. Uh, I suggested that one to the girlfriend the other day. Uh, or really, I should just say yesterday when we were actually able to hang out together. I was like, oh, this is a kind of a... Because, oh, I forgot to mention, we did watch the Suicide, or Suicide Squad, not the Suicide Squad. We watched the David Ayers one, and she was like, I need a palate cleanser. So that's when I was like, oh, what about, you know, Kindergarten Cop? But she she shot that down, uh, and that's how we ended up watching Marry Me, because I was like, oh, yeah, well, wait, wait, we got day and day for Marry Me. Uh, but yeah, Kindergarten Cop, one of my favorites. So Ivan Reitman passing away at at, at the young age of 75, and I'll call it a young age of 75 because it is it is young, but unexpectedly uh, passing away was just such a huge loss. Uh, and and it's, it's at that point where, you know, I we are at that age, if you're listening to the show because you like kind of the pop culture I talk, to, uh, talk about, uh, well, I, I hate to say it, but we are at that age where a lot of those people that influenced us uh, helped, you know, create the things that were inspiring to us when we were younger. Uh, they're, we're, they're at that age where we're, we're unfortunately going to start losing more than uh, seeing stick around. So Ivan Reitman was not one that I was ready for. Uh, and I did see a lot of love for Evolution out there after he passed away. The spiritual sequel to Ghostbusters, yes. But a film that I will always say is is not that good but it is an ivan reitman film it's it's got that national lampoon style of humor to it but i i i love that you all were out there trying to make fetch happen good for you do it up i'm not gonna hate anymore you know you love what you love man and love what you love that's the way it is but uh ivan reitman definitely will be missed uh but yeah um pour one out or enjoy yourself a nice uh Bustin' Wednesday. Go out there and bust a ghost or something like that. Uh, that'll do it for this week's show. Uh, extended episode. But hey, at least it's one episode and not two episodes, so we talked about it all today. All right? Thank you all so much. Till next week, peace and love.